Friends, John Eldridge here in the week of July 6th. Happy summer to you. Welcome back to the Wild at Heart, Ransomed Heart podcast. If you've missed some of the announcements around our name change, you'll want to go back earlier in June and pick up that podcast or read the newsletter or the daily readings. But we are changing the name of the ministry so we can reach more people. And the cool thing is it's already working, that strategy. There's a lot of folks out there responding to that. So this is the Ransomed Heart Podcast, now Wild at Heart Podcast. But same folks, same team, same mission, same message that you've come to love over the years as we have, the gospel of the heart. This is episode three of a three-part series that we've been running on how to guard your heart. And with me in the studio this week is Alan Arnold and Alex Burton on our team. Just to recap, the idea is that ruling and reigning is something that is in the DNA of men and women. It's human nature to have a kingdom and to provide for it, care for it, grow it, nurture it, bring life to it, and enjoy doing so. And so in episode one, we were just reflecting back on the mission of Adam and Eve right there in the beginning, a man and a woman entrusted with a kingdom, the kingdom of this world, and then all the way into the climax of the story and the ushering in of the new earth and the new heavens in Revelation, we are still ruling and reigning. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, one story, one mission, one beautiful calling. And then, so we took that in episode one and we said, you know, the most important kingdom actually that you've ever been entrusted with is the kingdom of your heart and learning to protect, govern, guide the kingdom of your heart, Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, because as it goes with your heart, so it goes with the rest of your life. So we introduced the idea that you have a kingdom and the most precious part of that kingdom is your heart and your intimacy with God, your inner life. And you do need to protect that kingdom. You do mm. need to guard that kingdom. And we were particularly pointing out in episode one, the amount of fear in the world today and how easy it is for that to get in, in all of its expressions. And then in episode two, the amount of hatred in the world. And again, uh, as Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. It's not primarily human hatred, actually. The scripture makes that very clear. Mm -hmm. We wrestle not with flesh and blood. Our fight is with the enemy and his forces. Our fight is with the spiritual forces of fear and hatred that have been just rampaging on the earth here in, in 2020, especially. And learning to guard our hearts, learning not to let that in, kicking it out once it gets in. Yeah. yeah. So that's where we've been. And this week, actually, it was this week's subject that made me want to do this series. Mm -hmm. It's just that we had to pave the way to get into it. Like you really need to kind of build the understanding of, oh yeah, my heart is, it is the most precious part of my kingdom. And, and I do have a governing role over my heart. Things Things don't have to just run in and run out and park and have their way, and right? Right. And cause mayhem. 
kind of build that case. But I wanted to get to this because I think the power doing most damage in the world right now is something that Paul describes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And so I want to read, picking up in verse 8, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships that we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. And that idea that in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, we've been discussing in this podcast for a couple years now. In fact, a year ago, we were in the studio with you, Alex, talking about death in the world and and how, how we were letting... You know, I was describing how I wanted to, I didn't care about this devotion that had come out and I didn't want to write yeah, anymore. Right. Remember right. that? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we were describing yeah. this phenomenon that was already going on, you know, a year before the pandemic and, and then the economic fallout and the hatred and the racial tension and all this that's been shaking 2020. But that idea of the sentence of death getting in our hearts and how do we guard our hearts from that? That's episode three, and it's really the main reason I wanted to do this series is, man, this thing is awful when you're under it, and it's so sneaky, and it gets in in so many different expressions, and there's hope. You know, you don't have to live under it, but let's name it, let's unpack it, let's describe it, so when you hear that passage of Paul saying, man, we were given up on life, and we could feel in our hearts just a sentence of death, of the end of things. Does that, does that ring true? Does that resonate with you in the last month? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, when you read that passage where he says, I despaired of even living. Yes. It did resonate, and I and I think what resonates is this. It feels like that, and it feels like an attrition that's happened over time. Like you can hear it even in his words. Like over the course of time and suffering, he ended up at a place of despairing even of life. Yes, and of living. And you know, if you read that on the surface, it sounds like. He wanted to die, but I think he's actually getting at something deeper of an emotional state. Yes. Of a life's just not worth engaging it's in. It's not worth the and effort. Living yeah. fully because That's good. there's an attrition happening. And for me personally in this season and, and for my family, wow, it, I don't know where to begin, but I guess to give some context back in March, um, you know, a year before that, we got a call from my wife's mom letting us know that she had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And so that set us on a journey. There were ups and downs. You know, there was the hope of, oh, some things are working and she's yeah. getting better and things would fall off and they'd try something different and things would get better. And But things did start to decline around the new year and then into the first part of 2020. And 
she passed away the week after the lockdown was started with COVID. Wow. And so you had this really odd time in our, our world, as everybody knows, where everything had been locked down. My wife, her mom was in Minneapolis, so she wasn't able to go be there at the end. And, and so we had this you know, very strange experience of being on the phone at the last moment with her mom. And so her mom passes away, and then we're in lockdown. And, and there were so many losses through the COVID lockdown experience. We had plans to go internationally. My daughter was going to dance at the World Championships in Ireland, and we were so excited for that. And, and that was a big hit. And You didn't get to go. We didn't get to go. And, and that was a loss. Yeah, it was a loss. And then um, as this thing has played out, there's been more of that. North Americans got canceled this summer for my daughter, and mm. then vacation plans got lost. And yep. just the challenges of homeschooling the kids. and and walking through those experiences and what transpired over literally the last couple of weeks was I could feel in my heart and and certainly Mel was beginning to feel in her heart this thing of why bother? Like these things kept getting canceled and it was kind of like, why even try anymore? Let's not go try to book the cabin and get out because it's not going to happen anyway. It's just yeah. going to get canceled. Yeah. Let's not book the next dance competition that's on the books because that one's just going to get canceled. And I could feel this, this subtle agreement of it's not worth chasing life mm. because it's just going to disappoint you and it's just going to be lost. And so it's been a little difficult. So Lately. that you're describing the sentence of death. Yeah. We despaired even of life. Yeah. Why bother? Yeah. It's not worth chasing life. Yeah. And we felt the sentence of death in our hearts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Screw it. Yeah. Like it's not going to happen. Give up now. Yeah. This joy, that plan, this relationship. And even to go back to Alex, just a loss that many people experienced in the quarantine, you know, in the shelter at home stages, graduations were lost, weddings were oh, lost, yeah. but the loss of loved ones, you couldn't even get together to have the memorial. Right. Right. So, so then what you have is a loss of a grief process Yes. that got suddenly just put on hold. Yep. And that took a toll. Yeah. Right. So the war of attrition, you know, one thing after another thing after another thing and unable to process it. And I think that attrition piece is really important that you named as well. Right. The collective impact. Yeah. And we're still in it. Like we're in the process right, right now of planning the service and it's been months. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it does feel like it's this collective slowly over time and We've made some agreements we should not have made in the course of that. But they get in. They get in. They get yeah. in. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. It's a very powerful description mm -hmm. of, I think, what Paul is trying to warn us about, of despairing, of living, and feeling the sentence of death in your hearts in various ways. Yeah. Alan, what about you? How has that been playing out during the... Yeah. 2020. <laughs> well, 2020 is one of my least favorite years. 
ever in a lot of ways, <laughs> I think, like most people. But, um, John, when you said, when you were reading and you said Paul felt the sentence of death, it just made me realize, right, like he felt it's not death, physical death, but it's the sentence of death. How, do you, how would you feel if you're living under a sentence of death and you knew it was coming and your days were numbered and it was going to end poorly? That feeling would cause your heart to tank probably. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I felt. We didn't have a physical death we were dealing with, Alex, like you guys were, but I felt the death of hope. Uh, it was like all I could do during the pandemic to try to wake up and get through the day and try to be there for my family and try to be there for work. And thankful I had a job still, but it was a heavy period on the world and on us personally. It was a very heavy period, a hard period. And then fast forwarding when things finally started to open up and hope, I felt like there was a glimmer of getting out from that sentence of death, that feeling of things dying, hope dying, then all the social unrest. And mm-hmm. that was where my heart really took a hard turn. And I just yes. felt like, wow, although there are good things that can happen in times of necessary change in our country, so much of it was just pure chaos. And I realized I've lost hope in the political system. I've lost hope in a lot of fellow humanity on how they handle things. And it felt like our world was just going to chaos. And so I did find my own heart shutting down to the point where I was telling my wife, Kelly, like, I don't think I'm suffering from depression. I've never had depression, but I just don't feel like there's a lot of hope in much of anything, no Mm -hmm. matter what front you look at, whether it's vacation or whether it's the future of education or you know college yeah your son's career all of it even having ministry events and wondering you know when are things going to open up for that and and how are we going to do that it just felt like everything was diminishing and that's not the reality I don't think but that was the feeling that sentence of everything's dying everything's shutting down just hunker down and Maybe you got a few more years, but the best is over. And so that was where I found myself going, like, this is not good. That is the sentence of death in your hearts getting in. Mm -hmm. The best is over, hunkered down, not really looking forward to much, right? And as we were explaining in previous podcasts on this rampaging evil on the earth of death and hatred, it's not just physical death. It's not even primarily physical death. It is, quote, the end of things. So I don't care that that relationship's ending. I don't care that that mission is ending. It's just the coming of everything's going to end or the things that I care about are going to end. We'll never get that trip back. We'll never get graduation back. We'll never get, you know, it's that. Yes. Right? Yes. And even something as simple as, so Stace and I did get away. We did get a little bit of rest. We just took time off work and did some hiking and stuff, and it was really good to do that. And when I came back, it was totally the sentence of death in my heart, but I couldn't even name it yet. It was, well, that's over. Mm. In other words, summer's over. Joy is over. Yep. Right, play is over, hope is over. Now just get your head down and get to work. Just Mm -hmm. what you're looking at now is just the long slog. So just get to it. 
you know, mountain of projects and email backlog and all that stuff. And But the sentence of death in my heart, even at that level, was just like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Joy is over. Yes. This is the battle that we're in, friends. And we want to describe it. We want to bring it out into the light. We want to expose it. The despairing of life, the giving up of the pursuit of joy, hope, dream, plans, expectations, giving up on that in various ways, and then letting in the sentence of death of just screw it. I don't care, whatever, let it go. It's, you know. Now, when you have that taking place for very real human emotional reasons, I mean, my goodness, Alex, you, you know, Mel lost her mom. Mm-hmm. And then you couldn't even travel there. Like very real things have been taking place in everyone's lives. But here's the problem, friends. The enemy sees those opportunities and he jumps on them. The sharks smell blood in the water. And when you are living in an environment right now in the world where a spirit of death of the end of things, of despair, of hopelessness, is rampaging on the earth, and then you've got some personal, legitimate reason to kind of go with it, sort of open the door to it a little bit, Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, boom. You know, this isn't just you having a hard time navigating your life. This isn't just you, well, we did lose those plans. No, you don't understand, my... My wife did lose her job. You, no, you don't understand. Like we, These are real things. But the problem is that suffocating presence of death in the world is going to come in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, John, to what you're saying, like it goes beyond just whatever that experience was that got you in that place of despairing of life where now once you go with that agreement, the things that you potentially will lose beyond that because you went with that. Like in this whole thing where we've been, like we haven't been able to have the service. We haven't been able to bury Mel's mom. Yes. We're heading out to do that here in a little bit. But there was a moment where Mel and I were so under it that we were like, let's just call your mom's husband and say, Let's not do a service. Yeah, barrier without us. Yeah, mm. just get it done. It's not worth it. We're not going to be able to get up there. And to go with that, there are real things that would be lost. And I'm grateful that we had the presence of mind to go, no, I don't think that's God. I don't think that's God speaking into this. Because I think there's some really key things relationally that God has for us grief-wise that God has for us in that process. I think there's probably some people that God wants to minister to through that process that we don't even know that are going to be there. And we were about to just shut it all down, not out of practicality so much, but just out of the despair of like, it's just not worth it. Yep. So let's let it go. Yeah. Through the despair, we make agreements with the sentence of death. Yeah. With the end of things. It's suffocating, friends. And I I hope you're identifying in your own story right now as we're trying to shed light on this. This isn't just you. First off, we've all been through, and we are still in the midst of this pandemic and various levels of, you know, shelter still and quarantine and restrictions and social distancing and masks and the heartbreak of the racial 
injustices and tensions and, and the hatred and all, you yes. know, we're in a very rough time on the human heart right now. And then add to that the rampage of evil, and it will jump on it if you do not guard your heart. How do we guard our hearts against the sentence of death? That's why we did this series. You know, hatred, absolutely. Fear, yes. But the big kind of mother of all issues right now behind it all is this sentence of death. And I was thinking about Proverbs 13, where it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, Hmm. but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hmm. And so there you have it, like like as the heart suffers one disappointment after another, the attrition, the long war of attrition, man, you start despairing. And then you don't chase the longing fulfilled, which would be the tree of life to you. Right. Right. You, You give up things that would bring you the very rescue that we need. Yeah. One of the things that started to help me was, because it is like that attrition Alex, that you mentioned, it it does spiral downward, and you have less and less desire to even at some point rise up. Fight it. Mm-hmm. You don't even yeah. want to fight it. Yeah. And so for me, I started asking, okay, what are the fruits of what I'm doing, if we'll know things by their fruit? And for me, a small step was the news. Like, I want to be informed for about 10 minutes a day, Yeah. and I don't want to turn it on in the evening because I don't want the last hours of my day filled with all of the anger and offense and rage and hate and chaos. And so even that one step was, if I know things by their fruit, what is the fruit of this on my heart? And I first need to start examining things that just used to be normal in my life that are now toxic. And that was one for me was, if the news is in the state that it's in of our world right now, I want to be informed for a few minutes, but I want to focus more on God's interpretation, not the constant rush of newsfeed. Yep. Mm. Doesn't tend to bring a lot of hope. No. Doesn't tend to lighten your heart. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's adding to the sentence of death. So is Facebook, by the way. And social media. I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but it is because people are upset. People are combative. Politics, radically different opinions on the solution to things at this point, you know, the reopening of schools in the fall. I mean, it's all of it. And everybody's posting their videos and their things and this and that. And what about this and that? And then you add, you know, the heartbreak of the racial hatred in the world and, and in the U.S. and you got just got to be really careful of your intake of that in the war of attrition. Right. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. How many times can your heart take that? Right. Just one disappointing piece of news after another. You've got to really, really be careful. But we've been talking in the series about being governors and governesses. We are kings and queens. Mm-hmm of the earth, and we are kings and queens of our domains, and we are lords of our own heart, Uh, small l, Jesus is Lord of our heart, capital L. But we really are, we have a primary role to play in the shepherding and protection of our hearts. 
And so what we want to highlight here is every time right now that you begin to feel either the we despaired of life side of Mm -hmm. why bother, you know, we're not going to book that cabin. We're not going to try and get out and, you know, hold this service. We're not going to, whatever it is, right? The various things. That's just over despairing of pursuing life, hope, joy, plans. When you see that coming up, you resist it. You don't go with it. It's the the basic thing of, I was talking about a Kempis in episode one of, you know, Thomas Kempis said, the devil is so much more easily resisted when he is at the door of your heart mm. than when you let him in. So to the degree that we can, you know, we resist it. We say, no, I'm not, no, I'm not making agreements with that. I'm not going with that. Yes. Even if it, quote, feels true. Yes. Because aren't there feelings that come with this? Oh, absolutely. You know, compassion, compassion for our friends out there that are experiencing this because it feels so real in the moment. Yeah. And it's so hard to pull your heart up and out of that. And John, I'm I'm curious for you what you would say in terms of just the practicality of how do you pull your heart out of that? Is there anything practically you can offer? I'll say this first. I think for me, mm. the the one thing that that's been helpful, and it's about all I could manage at times, was to to say, God, catch my heart. Yeah. Jesus, catch my heart. Yes. Yeah. Like, I don't want my heart falling to some other thing. Yes. I want it falling into you, God. Yes. And so it's fallen right now. Like, yes, I don't know where it's fallen to, but I want it falling to you, Jesus. Yes. And so catch it. That's and, really good. And that's a starting yes. place. But what would you say? No, no, no. That's more than a starting place. Jesus, catch my heart. Because when you're in it, it usually means that you've been in it for a while. And only now you're recognizing it. So the attrition has taken place. Hope deferred has made the heart sick. And so, Jesus, catch my heart. Catch my heart right now. Catch me. Help me not go with this, Mm -hmm. with despairing of life or with the sentence of death in my heart. That would be one. We do need to acknowledge that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled, a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. We have had a lot of disappointments, and we continue to have a lot of disappointments in a normal year, let alone a year yes. like this. I do think you need to tend to that. Hmm. It was significant that you were sharing with me that you and Mel kind of had some emotional backlog that just hadn't been able to be processed because yeah. literally the grieving process was kind of put on hold by the crisis, Yes, and suddenly you're homeschooling your kids, and there's oh, yeah. all of that, there's right? math homework to get done. Yeah. We don't have time to grieve. <laughs> yeah, but you do have to go back. So, yes. so I would say, Jesus, catch my heart, but also put words to the disappointment, mm-hmm. put words to the loss. Mm-hmm. This is really hard, Lord. That was really disappointing. I'm feeling, like, name it, put some words to it, say it out loud, write it in your journal, like, name that. Yeah. It's really important, inviting Christ into that. But there is a stubbornness that is also required in this hour, and it just goes like this, you can't have my heart. Mm. 
hatred, you can't have my heart. Get out. Yes. Like, I literally kick you out of my heart. Get out of my house. Get out of my internal, my interior castle, as Teresa Villa called it. Yeah. And you can't have my heart. No, get out. Like, there is a stubbornness. There mm-hmm. is a, a resolution. There's a fierceness there of death, despair, sentence of death, hopelessness. You can't have my heart. I won't let you have my heart. I don't know what the answer is yet in terms of, I, I may never get that job back. You know, all these very real, real losses. Even if you don't know what the answer is in the moment, you still have to say, you can't have my heart. You can't have my heart. Yes. That's really good. And how do we nurture our heart every day? Like I think, what, what do we feed our heart? Mm-hmm. And to me, in this season we've been in, I've shifted to, I'm going to feed it with love over fear. I'm going to chase God more than I ever have in terms of just wanting to be in his presence. Yeah. So yes. the other day I'm driving, this was pretty cool, and I'm, God, I don't even have words. My heart, this was just literally two days ago, my heart's thinking, I, just give me your thoughts right now for what's going on. And the car in front of me stops quickly uh, at a stop sign. I thought it was, was going to slow down. It just threw on the brakes, and so I stopped quick. And the license plate on the back end of that car is Psalm 46. Hmm. And that got my attention. And so I went home and I just, it's a very short one. I just want to read you a couple of verses. This is Psalm 46, the message translation. God is a safe place to hide, ready to help when we need him. We stand fearless at the cliff edge of doom, courageous in sea storm and earthquake, Hmm. before the rush of oceans, the tremors that shift mountains. Jacob wrestling God fights for us. God of angel armies protects us. River fountains splash joy, cooling God's city, the sacred haunt of the Most High. God lives here. The streets are safe. God at your service from crack of dawn. Godless nations turn and rave. King and kingdoms threaten. But earth does anything God says. And then here's the last part. Attention all. See the marvels of God. He plants flowers and trees all over the earth, bans war from pole to pole, breaks all the weapons across his knee, step out of the traffic, take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. Mm -hmm. And I read that, and I felt my heart start to beat again, and I felt this river of life coming in. And so to me, the starting place is, God, give me your, not just perspective, but your presence because earth does whatever you say, mm. and you're ultimately above everything. Mm. So help me orient to you in the chaos that's everywhere around us. When we're living in a moment, death is trying to say everything's ending, everything good is gone, things won't be the same, you won't get your life back, that it's just loss and more hardship to come. Mm. And who knows when all this will end. Mm -hmm. When you're living in that smoke-filled room, that's the air you're breathing, that's that's that evil around us, we do need to cultivate hope, make deliberate intentions to choose life, to choose hope. And and as we were praying for this podcast, that's what we heard. We were saying, Jesus, what do we need? What, What do our friends need? And Alex, you heard hope. Hope. Yeah. 
We need hope. And so, friends, just some reminders on that. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The scriptures assure us of that. Jesus is the same. He hasn't changed. And so the wonderful Jesus that you were enjoying last year, Mm. or maybe over the holidays, or maybe in January, you know, the Jesus that you know and love, that you have had years with, he is right here, and he is exactly the same. And to declare for your heart's sake, he's good, and he has good for me. God is good, and he has good for me. That's right. Yeah. A future and a hope. I know the plans that I have for you, right? Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. God, you are good and you have good for me. And you got to do this, gang, before the facts change or before you see the light. Yes. Before you go, oh, I know how we can fix this. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know how, you know. I can restore my daughter's hopes or, you know, I, there's a new job on the horizon or, oh, you know, I, 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 see, I see goodness coming for the world because there's going to be some shifts in our community before you see that stuff. You can't wait for that. Yeah. Right? You yeah. say, no, right now, God, you are good and you have good for me. You have good for me. John, I thought it would be helpful to go back to what you read at the yeah. beginning of this and yeah i forgot to read paul's the, <laughs> i forgot to read the rest of it yeah paul's yeah. words because paul has some of the answers for us in this and and where we turn our heart to so looking back at it it said we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about the hardships we suffered in the province of asia we are under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted to us in answer to the prayers of many. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I, I love how he says he's delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. Yes. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Yes. And so what, what you're saying, John, there of, of remembering that Jesus is the same Jesus. Mm. And, and bringing your heart back to that place of, no, he is still active in our story, and he will continue to deliver us. Mm-hmm. That's huge. What I love about that is, mm-hmm. John, in the first installment, it was this mind-blowing concept to me that we actually have a choice, you and Stacy were saying, of what we let in or don't let into our hearts. It's a choice. It's yes. not just react to what's there. Yes. Well, so I know I don't want to let fear in or hate or death, but that's what I don't want to let in. But now we're talking about the hope that we can let in. Yes. And we've got to let that into our heart because mm-hmm. we are the governor of our hearts. And yeah. so how do we let those things in like that? Yeah. That's a rescue. Yeah. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. 
neither let it be afraid. He was assuming that we have the capacity, we actually do, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what the facts in front of you are screaming, we have the capacity to protect our hearts. And we have the choice what to let in and what not to let in. And that is an enormously hopeful thing. It's like, wait, all this that's going on right now in the world, this doesn't just have to mow me down. Right. This doesn't just get to have a, a field day with me and just mm. have its way, just shake me like a rag doll every day. Mm. Like, yeah, that's right. That is the hope that we have. And I love it, Alex, when you were reading the rest of Second Corinthians 1, it says we put our hope in God who raises the dead. Mm. In other words, God, you have resurrection for me. Yeah. And now you and Mel are getting to Minnesota and you are going to get to the service. It's, mm -hmm. it's taken months and it's different. It's not the same, but you are getting there. And afterwards, you're going to get a little family time, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, God, you do have resurrection for me. And this is the kind of things we say out loud to ourselves. This is how you do it. You know, folks, you got it. Like literally, as you're driving in your car, you go, no, God, you do have resurrection for me. I don't know what it looks like yet, yeah. but you have resurrection for me. I was thinking about Psalm 23, where he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your weapons mm -hmm. comfort me, God. And then this, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So despite the fact that we live in a world very much at war, and despite the fact that the war is rampaging through our communities and relationships and economies and Nonetheless, God, you have resurrection for me. You still prepare a table for me, for my family, for my household. You do. And so I'm going to hold on to that. Yes. And, and now I'm not despairing of life. Now I'm chasing life again. So you have life for me. What is it, God? Show me what you have for me. How are you going to restore this, that, the other thing? How, you know, where is life right now hmm. for us? Oh, and it's so important to to go back and remember. Like I'm even sitting here thinking, oh, I, I know there's a time where I'm gonna forget this. I'm gonna keep this podcast on my phone <laughs> yes. and come back to it. Or yeah. I'm gonna keep Psalm 46 yes. sitting in my journal and yeah. I'm gonna go back to that because right. yeah, you have to remember, you have to go back to it. Yeah. So hang on to it, friends. It's really why we did this whole series. Your heart is the most precious part of your kingdom because it's through your heart that you have God and intimacy with him. It's through your heart that you have hope and love and joy. Everything you want in life mm. depends on the wellness of your heart. And I think of Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. God, you are the strength of our hearts. Strengthen our hearts so that we can resist fear, hatred, death, and all that's rampaging in the world right now. Show me how to protect my heart, Father. Guide me in this, Jesus. Holy Spirit, strengthen me mm -hmm. to guard my heart against the sentence of death and all 
that is rampaging in the world. You have good for me, God. You have resurrection for me. You prepare a table for me in spite of the war. Show me where the table is, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Friends, really hope this was helpful to you. Might want to listen to it again later this week. (laughs) We probably all need more than one pass at this. We love you and we bless you.